Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Erin Enderlin. Now, her dreams of country music stardom began all the way back when she was in kindergarten. She took records in for show and tell. In grade four, she wrote a song to perform to the class. And later on, she moved to Nashville to attend Middle Tennessee State University. Now, that was in 2000 that she went to university. And it was in 2004 that she received her first cut as a songwriter. And it was a big one. It was with Alan Jackson. Now, since that time, she has worked with and performed with many of the people that she looked up to when she was just in her bedroom writing, dreaming of being a country music musician. It's been a wonderful journey, and unfortunately, we couldn't pack all of the stories she has from her time in Nashville into one episode, but we did touch on a lot of them. So please enjoy our conversation with Erin Enderlin. Who was the most inspirational, like right off the bat from what you remember? Because I know your grandparents were big influences for you and then your parents, yeah. of course. But who would you say along the journey early on was the most influential for you in your love for music? Uh, for music, I think definitely. I mean, I, I don't know. I had a special relationship with my grandpa and he had, you know, the, the record player and it was always a big deal because you had to wait till he came home to get to play his record player and go through the whole thing of picking out a record and dusting it off and, and all that. And so that was definitely a big influence on me getting into it. Um, but, you know, my mom put me in music lessons when I was five years old because I said I wanted to do it and started learning to play the piano, which I'm still not very good at. <laughs> Gave me a good, you know, foundation and, and learning some of the stuff about music theory. And um, it just seemed like music was everywhere. And as far as your grandpa's record collection goes, you were taking those into kindergarten for show and tell, were you yeah. not? <laughs> I, uh, I took a Conway Twitty record into show and tell in kindergarten. <laughs> and I lived in Conway, Arkansas, so I don't know if I made some sort of correlation there or not, but I definitely was like all about the Conway 20. <laughs> and one of the really early experiences I wanted to talk about was I believe it was in grade four and you wrote a song and you took it into class because you wanted to sing it. Now you were already writing then. So when was your first song? Do you remember what it was? Was it a song or was it just sort of words on paper? The first time I, I remember like, actually thinking like I'm going to write a song and do that. I wrote a couple when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> and, uh, I think the very first one I wrote was called where the bluegrass grows. And it was like a play on bluegrass music. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, I guess I was always already trying to turn those hooks. even back then. Right. Yeah. And do you have notebooks filled with songs still? Did you keep any of that stuff? I, do. Your parents have I, it? I still have quite a few of them um I actually I kept a bunch of the songs that were in at first he's keep them in a trapper keeper and I 
brought that with me to um, fanfare when I was 16 <laughs> to carry around just in case I found anybody who needed a, a song up here in Nashville. Right. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that because I saw that post and I was wondering sort of what your mindset was at that point, because you're 16, you're going to fanfare as a fan, but you're almost going almost already as a professional musician because you're ready to hand out your songs to whoever wants them so did you already have that mindset of being a professional musician I mean I definitely think it's something that I wanted and wanted to be a part of I definitely was so green that I mean but it's like cute when you're 16 it's maybe not cute anymore (laughs) my age now but um I would go through artist lines that I that I admired what they did and I would ask them questions about how, how they do things and stuff. So I was already like, I was like, oh, it's like a little mini job fair. Plus I get to meet really cool people, you know, <laughs> get to ask questions about what you do. Um, and it was one of the first times too, that I got to see a lot of live music all at once, uh, which was, was a big influence and eye opener, but I definitely, yeah, I don't know. I guess I have to say I was kind of a weird kid, but that's fine. Like weird kids make the world go around. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, I definitely, I had some spark. I, I don't think I even a hundred percent knew like what that meant to be a professional musician, but I had a spark of like, this makes me, you know, excited. I'm passionate about this. Right. And since you were writing so young, was it something that sort of kept you inside, kept you in your bedroom, kept you from being with the other kids or was that just a part of it? And you still had all of your other childhood and all that other stuff going on. I had a lot of other stuff going on, but I definitely, uh, I like to call myself an introverted extrovert, but so I definitely spent a lot of time with my, with my music and, and playing and listening and writing. Um, and I actually, when I was in high school, I started playing out um, at a lot of coffee houses and different things, but then I actually went to boarding school in hot springs, Arkansas. And there was a big, community of kids there that played music and did things and wrote songs and it was so cool like every night after we do our homework and stuff we had come down for free time and we'd sit in the lobby and play songs for each other and uh it was a really cool experience and so you started the piano young when did the guitar come in when did you start to learn that i started to learn guitar when i was 13 and uh, had a great teacher who um you know, a lot of, of music teachers, they want to teach you the scales. They want to show you the formal way to learn things. And I, I appreciate that. But my brain was just like, I don't, you know, I don't have time for this. I need to learn how to <laughs> put music to my songs. And I brought my Reba McIntyre songbooks in the, to um, the, the lessons. And he was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And so he'd teach me how to do the songs that I loved and teach me how to take the melodies that I was hearing in my head and translate them um, to chords and, and he was really influential too on telling me, you know, like people do this, like people write songs and they sing and make music for a living. And he had played shows with folks like Emily Harris and Chet Atkins and stuff. So he knew more of like how to take that spark to like the next level of understanding. So how important was that for you then? Because you're coming from a smaller town. I mean, Little Rock was the biggest town near you. It was about half an hour away. So how important was it having that influence of you can do this? 
It was huge. And I mean, he used to, I took lessons at UCA, the college there, and he would pull other students of his in from the hallway and be like, you got to listen to this girl's song and, and have me play my own songs for people. And, uh, I definitely think that gave me a lot of confidence to do that. Cause you know, that can be, you're really putting your soul out there, you know, when you go out. So I think having that early on, just having somebody say, man, that's awesome. I love that. Keep doing that. That, you know, inspired me and gave me the courage to go out and play shows. And so when did you know a fact that this is what you wanted your career to be. This is what you wanted your life to be. When I came to Fanfare that year, I mean, I think that's when I knew, like I had to get to Nashville and I, and I still didn't understand exactly how it all worked or how I would do it, but I knew I loved making music and um, that was the place to be. So that's kind of when I started formulating and uh, planning and, and working on trying to get, um, a plan to go to school up here and all that. So my parents wouldn't kill me, but I could be close to Nashville <laughs> the center of everything. Um, I, I remember one of the, the, the biggest memories I have of fanfare is sitting and watching Leon Womack sing and um, Dolly Parton came out and they did Jolene together. And it was just like my brain exploded. And I think maybe in that moment, exactly that moment, I was like, okay, like, I don't, I can't do anything else. <laughs> And now your first album that is sort of talked about was 2013, but I saw that you had promo photos from like the end of high school that your dad took <laughs> with you by a Mustang. Oh my God. And yeah. you had mentioned that those were used for album art. And I was wondering, was that like a really early album? Yeah. So, um, I guess maybe I'm lucky or not. I don't know. But when I started putting out CDs and doing that and, and recording music, they didn't really have streaming or even iTunes or anything like that. So uh, most people can't access them now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I would go and I was lucky enough to, to have some folks um, in high school, my senior year, I recorded a couple of different things, it's just me and my guitar and did a couple little projects. And then when I went to school at Middle Tennessee State University, um, you know, that's kind of one of their specialties is music and all that. So I had buddies there that, you know, were really in the engineering side of things. And I'd go in my buddy Blake's uh, dorm room and record this guitar vocals and do 10 or 11 of them and put them on an album. But uh, yeah, I would do the, the photoshopped artwork and all that good stuff for and so do you still have any of those lying around? Any of the physical I, copies? I do. I have, uh, you know, the um, the museum editions. Every <laughs> so often I'll have somebody post about one of them and I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, there's some gems in there and then there's also some really questionable decisions. Like on the same record I put out that or record, you know, that I was selling at my shows in college. Right. I had a guitar vocal Monday morning church and I had and a song about my cat dying. So, <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> oh man. And you talked about uh, middle Tennessee state where you went to school. So that's not in Nashville, but it's just outside of Nashville. Yeah. And so were you like making regular trips into Nashville during that time? Oh yeah. And then, um, I actually, at that point, once I got into the program, I was able to take all my classes on Monday and Wednesday. I'd go all day, all night. 
Um, and then the rest of the week, I try to find somebody that I can take out to coffee or have a meeting with or write with or something here in Nashville. And then uh, my senior year, I actually moved into Nashville. There was a songwriter I knew who um, he had a house that he rented out different rooms and stuff, had a bachelor apartments and some different setups uh, and he had room open. So I moved in there and actually one of my housemates was Chris Stapleton. Oh, really? So I got to hear him playing down there every night and listen to him writing songs. That definitely was another moment was like, okay, well, I probably, you know, need to focus a little bit, take this up. (laughs) And now I wanted to ask you about Beverly Keel, because she she is now the dean, I believe, at Middle Tennessee State. I don't know if she was the dean back then, but I know you had mentioned she meant a lot in your journey at that point. So just talk about her and how she influenced you and what she meant. She was just a, you know, she's an amazing, amazing person. She's got an energy about her that's really infectious. You know, you can't, I don't know, it's hard to be in a bad mood around her. Um, She's an amazing journalist and writer, and she's worked with publicity folks like Jamie Johnson and Allison Krauss and things and written for stuff like People Magazine. So she's like a superstar in what she does. And um, she really mentored me a lot um i was fortunate enough to have alan jackson record one of my songs monday morning church um with patty loveless and put it out as a single when i was a senior in college and um it was definitely a huge blessing but i was really still young and green and i don't know that i understood all the things that came with that and there's a lot um I don't know. I was also one of those people like I would go into a room in Nashville and I knew everybody in there. Like when I went to go record my first demo session, Eddie Bears was playing drums and Tammy King was playing fiddle. I was like, oh, my God, like these people are playing on my songs. Like, you know, I can't believe this and go see Matresa Berg and Gretchen Peters and stuff at um, the award shows and things around town. And I went from being a little bitty fly on the wall, just trying to get my bearings to like, everybody knew who I was, you know? (laughs) And so that was kind of a little overwhelming. And Beverly was like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) You know, just, you you just keep doing what you're doing and all this. And she, but she was really there for me to, you know, bounce things off of and kind of help me with that whole process of going from I'm a kid making music to, oh, okay, like I'm supposed to be a professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was that like? Because like you say, before you really even moved to Nashville t- full time, you had Alan Jackson cut one of your songs. And so when you've graduated university and you were in Nashville full time as a career, where was your mindset? Because you have this songwriting part that is obviously successful for you right away but then you probably also want to be an artist. So did you sort of have to battle that in the early years of being there? Well, early, I actually signed a record deal with RCA um, about a couple months after Alan cut that song. Okay. It was a development deal um, and no music ever actually got put out. It's it's safely hidden away in a vault somewhere, but, um, (laughs) but it was a really interesting experience too. in, in figuring out, like how that whole thing works. I got to go in the studio with some great producers and, and work on music and and do some of the meetings at the label and figure out some of that stuff. 
So it was a cool process, but I definitely, as part of that whole thing, I think I maybe kind of matured here and there as a writer before I did as an artist. And even though I had a really strong sense of who I was and what I wanted to do, at the same time, I wasn't quite comfortable enough to just be that, to just be myself and do that. And I think that's something that I've really learned and gotten into with the last couple of records. Uh, and it's a really, really great uh, feeling and, and experience. I think at that point I was still trying to be like, okay, well, I'm at this label, so I should listen to what they want me to do and just, you know, do these kind of things. And that's good to a certain extent, but they can't, you know, tell you who you are. You're supposed to like help them understand who you are. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause I think it was with, I let her talk your first EP that you had shared on your Instagram, some photos from that album shoot. And then you shared one that you recently took at that same location. And you mentioned just how much you had grown and sort of the insecurity that you saw in those old photos. And so when you were in producing that record, you're producing it with Alex Klein, who recently became the first female solo producer to have a song go number one. Yeah, she did. So back then when you were working with her, obviously she was new, newer to the industry as well. So what was that process like for you? Um, it was amazing. I actually, um, I think Alex was born to be a producer and she would have figured it out sooner or later, but she was doing these demos up in her attic over in Nashville and um, we'd written some together and I had talked her into coming out and doing shows on the road with me when she left another band that she was in. And, um, so I wanted to do this project. And so I was like, Hey, uh, do you want to produce this, this record? And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's just like what you're doing already, but we'll just do this. And she was like, okay. And, uh, I mean, it was kind of funny. I mean, we had like, I think we paid the players like 50 bucks a piece to come in all day to record. And, <laughs> you know, we were kind of learning by the seat of our pants doing things. And, uh, but it, but it was a great experience. And um, there are some real shiny moments on that album that I'm real proud of. And uh, I don't know, it's, Alex is still one of my best friends. And, mm -hmm. and it's just really awesome to work with people that, um, you love and respect so much. Forrest Whitehead came in and sang some on that record and written with me. Some played a little bit and um, some other folks that, that I really, really love what they do. And so it, it was a really cool experience, but it was definitely another like, okay, well, we can't wait to, till we're at the point where we know what we're doing. We're just going to have to go figure it out. And then you get there. <laughs> and so after you released that album, I, it was 2017 when you released your next one. So within those few years, again, were you sort of, well, I guess even now, is it always just the songwriting and being a musician and balancing those two? Kind of. Um, I kind of went through a moment after the 2013 album came out. And I think, I think that you see that that there is kind of a shift in my artistry there from that point. Like once you see Whiskey Town Crier come out, I think you see a lot of consistency with who I am and what I'm doing. Um, but I, I kind of went through a shift of, of several folks that I was working with and 
kind of a little Nashville's an amazing town, but sometimes it can, at least for me, it can take my head over to too much of the business side of things and not enough of the music side of things. Right. And I think I got a little bit disillusioned and a little bit confused and about what, uh, what I was doing with some things. And so I just started going out and figuring out, okay, well, how do I book my own shows? How do I get out and play? How do I put these records out and do this and tried to get back to playing songs for people, having, that interaction and focusing on the music more than trying to figure out what to do with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, I get, it must be hard, especially you're coming from university, you're thrown right into the deep end, but at the same time, you, you have to find out who you are as a musician. You can't look at all these things around you and pick what parts you want to have within you as a musician, you have to find that within your soul of what you want your music to be and what you want to sound like and how you want to present yourself. So that's got to be a difficult journey in finding that. And, uh, you know, it's had some really awesome moments along the way. And um, I Let Her Talk was actually the first song that allowed me to uh, play on the Grand Ole Opry. And I kind of started that process um, of kind of reshaping what I was doing and recentering myself. I actually worked at the Opry for a year or two before that record came out and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The Opry is one of the main things that made me fall in love with country music in the first place. And it really brought me back to, to the love of it. Um, and I had a couple of moments, even when I was working there that really opened my eyes. Like one night, these three teenage girls came up to the door and, they were just, you know, screaming and, oh God, oh God. and I was like, oh, are y'all big Jason Aldean fans? Cause he's playing tonight. And they were like, no, you wrote, you don't know Jack, uh, you know, a song I wrote for Luke Bryan. And I was like, what? Like, how do you even know that? And I'm dressed in like this uniform that makes it look like I'm, you know, flipping burgers in 1970, <laughs> uh, taking their tickets at the Opry. And some of the things like that and getting to just be around the fans every night, you know, people would come from all over the world. Like I remember talking to a guy who came from Japan and since he was a little kid, he'd always loved country music and he really wanted to visit the opera and get to see that. And that kind of just like, I don't care what the pie charts are on the sales for this song or like how we package this or how we define this music. I just love this. And these are the songs I love. And these are the artists I love. And that is what kind of got me into that journey of, I think, really getting to a place where, I, where I'm comfortable in my own boots and just love what I do. And, and, and I'm able to be a little bit more real, which I always wanted to be, but, you know, it can be intimidating. And uh, I let her talk, let me play on the Opry for the first time, um, which was absolutely my number one dream in life. And uh it's pretty wild and I'm actually going to be playing there again on the 15th to celebrate this album release. And this will be the second album that I get to celebrate, uh, at the Opry, which is this is pretty wild. <laughs> and that first time you had only quit working there like a week or two before you actually hit the stage to play there. Didn't you? Yeah. Pete Fisher, who's the manager there. He, he, um, offered me, chance to come play there and he said I only have one request I need you to stop working here before you do that because I can't have everybody thinking that they can just get up there and play <laughs> oh 
<laughs> That's funny. And so the next few years, you're constantly building. You're constantly making strides forward. Within those years, are you feeling that? Are you feeling it when you release an album, when you do a special show? Or is it a problem of always being like, oh, that's not enough. I haven't got this thing or this thing or this thing. I mean, I think you always, if you're not so motivated and have things you want to accomplish, you know, that could be problematic. But I definitely, I mean, even just getting to move to Nashville, I remember the first couple of times I just drove down Broadway and just feeling how lucky I was to be able to do that because and I guess maybe one of the big things that not to get dark, but I had a friend who died in a car accident the weekend after high school graduation. And that really made a big impact on me. And he's actually who I wrote Monday morning church about. Um, and so I think that kind of event in somebody's life, you know, wakes you up real fast to a different kind of thing and a different perspective. And, you know, he was getting ready to go to, to college on a soccer scholarship and, um, was a great guy, you know, worked in his church and, and did all these things and had all these dreams. And uh, I remember in high school, the last year, which I still have it up on my wall over here, but, but he wrote me a note saying that uh, you're so great at, at singing and what you do, don't ever give up your dream. And I've kept that on my wall since then. And I think every time I look at it, it just reminds me how lucky I am to even be in pursuit of something that I love. And, you know, I've gotten to do crazy stuff. Like I got to um, open for Kitty Wells at the Hall of Fame and very last public performance she did. I've gotten to tour with Jamie Johnson and Willie Nelson. Uh, you know, I got to sing with Willie and Merle. Um, got to write songs for folks like Reba McIntyre and Terry Clark. And Terry just did a duet with me that I put out. And just and just get to meet so many amazing people here in town and get to make music every day. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is hard to see in the middle of everything. But one thing that definitely has kept it in perspective for me is, you know, every every couple months, every couple of years, you do these little bio points that you know, I'll send out in all my emails. Right. And you start uh getting those, you start off kind of like, well, I've played this many shows. I've, you know, written this many songs. I've, you know, written with these people. And then you start switching those out for like, I've played the Bluebird, you know, to I've played the Aubrey, I've played the Ryman, I've, you know, done these things and, I, and I've written songs for these folks like Reba and Alan Jackson and Randy Travis and, um, you know, like Elton John had me on his podcast and whatever. And <laughs> so when you start like plugging those in, you see them and you're like, man, okay, like stuff is happening. Well, like uh, I said at the beginning, you basically have a book full of experiences <laughs> that you can that you can go to, right? Yeah. Um, I have tried to write down some of those little things. I think it'd be fun to just have little stories, little blips of of uh, the things I've gotten to experience and be a part of. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask, if you had like a list of all the people that you've met along the way. I don't really have a list. I probably should like have worked on that. I do have, um, I have some boxes over here that have like 
just all kinds of mementos, like show posters from shows I've gotten to play and um, different different kinds of things like that and news articles and stuff. And um, those, I, I'm thinking that someday I'll pull stuff out of there and be like, okay, well, this goes with this story. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's awesome. And so coming in to the new EP, when did this start to take shape? Is it something that, took shape over the same period or do you have songs on here that were written you know a couple of years ago that you've kind of been holding on to and waiting for the right project yeah there are songs from several years ago to right before I cut the EP on here and um, I had been thinking of this concept for a while of um you walk, you know, you go into a bar on any given night and there's a dozen different people in there and they're all, um, they're drinking for different reasons and what's each of their stories and kind of in that way, put together the songs in my mind for this project. And when, uh, you know, everybody got called off the road in March of 2020, I, um, I knew I wanted to just keep doing things, be creative. And I learned how to record on my computer to do guitar vocals and things and started um, kind of demoing up, shaping up songs that I thought would be right for this. And I connected with an engineer that I actually went to college with at MTSU. And we started getting together and I, I went in and just played the guitar and did the vocals and then sent it out to several different other musicians to add on to it. And uh just felt like in such a time of upheaval and all kinds of other things going on and maybe not most positive things, music, you know, that experience, that's something that brings me a lot of joy. And I knew that, that sharing with that with people too is just something good to focus on. Right. And we talked about, you know, finding yourself in Nashville and then finding out who you are. Now, this record is the first time that you've played the guitar on an album. Usually it'll be session players that play on the album. And so what does that say about how comfortable you are as a musician at this point in your life? It was definitely, you know, it, uh, it was a lot outside my comfort zone, but I knew I wanted to do it. And, and I thought this is the perfect time to, to try that. And, um, I really loved the experience of it. I'm not, I don't have like the metronome timing of, of some musicians, but you know, some of my favorites like Willie Nelson don't always really do that. Um, but it was just so cool to be able to have, cause I feel like I have a voice in my guitar playing as well as in my singing. And so to be able to play the songs more true to what I do live too, I thought was really cool. And you mentioned Terry Clark having uh, a bit on this record. Now, I think I saw something about you being part of the Terry Clark fan club when you were young. Now, was that <laughs> an actual club or was that just you saying that you were a super fan? Oh, yeah, I was a part of her fan club and I went. Uh, I have a picture with her at one of her fan club parties here. And I think it was the same year that she cut the first song of mine that she recorded. I've been lucky enough to have her record seven songs I've written now. Wow. There's quite a few that I co-wrote with her, which is even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. I try not to get too nerdy with her about that, but uh, it's pretty good buds now. But it's definitely funny. Is it difficult 
to sort of look back and sort of follow that journey with someone? Because I know there's a lot of people that you looked up to when you were younger that you have gotten to work with or are still close friends with. And so is it challenging to sort of take that journey and realize that I was part of the Terry Clark fan club and now I'm like working regularly, writing regularly with her? Is it difficult to sort of have that in your brain in the moment because you're just focused on that moment? I do really wish that um, I had kept a journal when I moved to town to be able to see a little more. Cause I have written like some entries randomly. I would have, and I'll take them back and read them and be like, man, you know, like I had a different mindset kind of when I moved here and uh, it would be interesting to be able to go back and kind of see that difference. But, um, you know, sometimes it can be interesting in the moment and it, it can be a little bit intimidating but at the same time, I think that's one of the things I love about country music is that it's it's very real. It's very, um, it's not a music that's too big for its britches. You know what I mean? Like most everybody I've worked with here has been just so nice and gracious and um, the artist to the songwriters, to everybody. I mean, I remember working at the, CMA awards one year and you know I got paid like 50 bucks a day to to make sure people didn't miss their call times and things to come out because it was a live taping right and Garth Brooks was back there and he saw me standing over there working and he came over and was like hey are you doing all right do you need anything you need a drink or anything and I was like I'm supposed to do that for you but thanks <laughs> but you know like but that's how people are here they're not they care about each other and for the most part they're not you know so, so that helps when you're in those moments that it's like, man, I uh, used to be a, just, a, you know, had their posters on my wall and now I'm sitting here trying to write a song with them. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about, you know, wanting to sort of have a journal from back in the day to, to compare your mindsets of then and now. So just now in this moment with a new album coming out, what is your mindset? Where are you within this musical journey? Man, I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see where this new music's going to go and take me. I, did, I haven't still been able to get out and play a whole lot of live shows lately. And I, I really, really am missing that and looking forward to doing more of that, which I'll get to do more of this next month, which is great. Um, and I think I just am still at this place where just I'm thankful every day that I get to do what I love and, and still making music and uh, just want to keep getting better and keep refining it and keep growing. That's awesome. And as far as the songwriting goes, like, how do you pick five or six songs for an EP? Because I imagine with the amount of writing you do, your catalog is probably very deep. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm trying to get, that's an area where I think I'm growing in trying to make a collection of songs that work not just as an album, but then also when you're touring and doing different things. And a lot of these songs have been, have been songs that have been favorites of mine for a while, or I wrote a couple of new ones that I kind of had an idea, like I want something like this I could play 
out at my shows. And um, I actually, I've been doing a lot of regular Facebook lives and things. And I actually posted quite a few of the songs I was thinking about doing this last year and asked my fans, like, what do you think? Should this be on the record? And uh, got to interact with them some of that way, which was really cool. That is awesome. Well, the EP Barroom Mirrors, it's out October 15th. Like you say, you're going to be debuting it at the Opry that night, which is absolutely amazing. Congratulations on the release and really this entire journey that we've been able to talk about. It's an amazing journey from, you know, dreaming about this as a two, three-year-old. So congratulations on everything and thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Erin for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new EP, Barroom Mirrors, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on by and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. (laughs) 